0: Well, Merry Christmas Christmas. and Happy New Year. Year. (laughs) (laughs) It's here already, isn't it? Another year has come and gone. And, um, And through it all, we have a faithful God that walks with us every step of the way. And whatever is in our future, we know that he walks with us. And that's a good thing for us to know and to remember. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. This is what it said. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light on our path. Would you pray with me now, please? Father, we thank you so much for an opportunity to be here today, to, to see uh, friends, to see fellow believers, to fellowship with them, and more importantly, to be in fellowship with you. To come, Lord, and to worship you and to sing the praises of the one true God. And also, Lord, to take some time and to tune our hearts to yours, to listen, to hear what you would say to us today. And as we gather around your word this morning, we do say, Lord, um, your servant listens, speak. And as for me, Lord, I pray that you would just allow me to disappear behind the wonderful cross of Jesus Christ. That he and he alone would be exalted in our midst this day. And it's in his wonderful name that we pray. Amen. So, you know, I... uh, I welcome this time of year. It's busy, but there's so much that is good. And I find myself rejoicing in it, just like I know you do. It begins with Thanksgiving. And besides all the food and family, which is just fun itself, we express our thanks to God for all that he's done. And something about that's just right. And then we come to Christmas, we have all the good things, it's around Thanksgiving, the food and the family, the fellowship, but we also remember the birth of our Savior. And in the midst of the gift giving and getting and all the other celebration, we really do endeavor to keep the incarnation that amazing expression of God's power and love. When he came to us in the flesh, born as a baby in the stable, we endeavor to keep that front and center in our homes and thoughts. And again, something about it is just plain right, isn't it? And when all of that is over, we come to this time and we look forward to a new year. Yeah, you know, I haven't always appreciated celebrating a new year. Before I was a Christian... It was just an excuse to indulge in excess, though even then I knew what I was doing missed the mark. And when I came to faith in Christ, celebrating the new year didn't seem very important, and I had an unfortunate tendency to look down on it. But God is gracious, and he led me step by step to what I think is a better outlook. And that change began, I think, when I realized that God saw something good in it. I mean, after all, he commanded the Israelites to observe the new year each year and every year. And the new year in the Jewish calendar is associated with Passover, God's great act of deliverance when the angel of death passed over the Israelite houses and was followed by God leading his people out of Egypt. But it's interesting, the Passover is not celebrated right at the beginning of the new year. It's close to it, but it's not celebrated right then. And I think that's significant. And thinking biblically, it's God who makes a new start possible, not the new year. But the new year and celebrating it can point us in a good direction. Anyway, I've come to appreciate three things which we can find in the idea of a new year. First, it marks the passing of time, and it reminds us that we are all moving toward an end. We may be celebrating a new year, but we cannot get very far from the uh, idea or the thought that another year has gone by, and that, truth grows in significance the older we get. And second, it marks a kind of a closure, Whatever has happened, has happened. It's in the past. And at some point it has to be left in the past, whether the thing was, in our own eyes, good or bad. God's not made us to dwell there in the past. We, we may remember, but we have to live in the now and look to the future. And three, it also is a reminder that we've not yet arrived <laughs> There is this idea associated with New Year or the world over of kind of making resolutions or changes. People set out to try to be better people and to live better lives. They want to get rid of the old and the bad stuff. There's an acknowledgement there that we need to change, that we haven't arrived. And all of those things, I think, are spiritually and emotionally healthy. Of course... For us who believe, we realize that the power to change, I mean to really change, does not lie in us. Even were we able to make some transformation, small transformation in our life, we know that it's less than the tip of an iceberg, less than the tip of the tip of the iceberg, a mere scratch on a vast field of change if only we were able to see it. Any real change we know comes from God. And the good news is he's willing to do it. (laughs) It's that change which God and God alone can make in our life that we want to look at this morning. The good news this morning and every morning, day and evening, if you are a Christian, the new is already here and it is here to stay. So please join me in your Bibles in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 19. I want to give you a quick word of explanation um, uh, before we start. The passage we're considering right now begins with the word, therefore. And you all know the old Saul, don't you? Whenever you see the word, therefore, see what it's there for, right? (laughs) Well, Paul's just concluded in the previous passage, that we ought not to think about Christ and his works in the way that we would think about any merely human person or his or her work. What God does is unlike anything else anyone else can do. And if we have the eyes to see that, that truth begins to shine brightly in our text today. The passage we're looking at is pretty famous, I mean, We have it stenciled on the wall in our living room, and and many of you know it by heart, at least the very first part of it, which I'm going to read to you right now. It's the beginning of verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, or he is a new creature, as it says in some translations. And I want to stop right there and talk about this. The thought goes on. It's not quite complete yet. Paul adds more information, but nonetheless, this, I think, is a good place for us to pause. We often use this passage when we talk to uh, someone who's not a believer. It's especially helpful when we talk to someone that is feeling the heavy weight of their sin. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, We have the great privilege in those cases to tell him or her that if they come to Christ, they become a new creation. We can be part of rolling that heavy burden away. We can explain to them, if it's helpful, that grammatically this is a statement of identity. Which simply means the first thing equals the second thing. The person who is in Christ is a new creation. Being in Christ makes one. New. And these aren't just words. Don't ever think that. This is God's word and this is God's work. There's a whole new category of thought, a whole new reality in these words. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. The God who created recreates on the spot. The person who comes to him and that person who is in Christ is a new creation. He's a new creature or she is. And that's been good news to many people down the through the ages. You know, really good news to me. Because there is within that statement the inherent understanding that our sins, all of our sins, all of those things we failed at all of those things we're ashamed of, all of those things which we know about ourselves and would almost die if anyone else knew, all of our sins are gone. The weight is gone. We bear them no more. Every last one of them has been taken away and nailed to the cross of Christ. We need to know that and remember that. And I think it's important at this point to to point out one particular significant word in that part of the passage we just read and it's the word anyone. Anyone means just what it says. Anyone. Anybody. Someone. Somebody. Everyone. Everybody. The whoever and the whosoever and that means you. God is inviting you if you don't already belong to him to become a new creation. Maybe you've been a churchgoer for a long time, but deep in your heart, you know your heart's not really here. You know that something is missing. And God knows that too. And he's speaking to you right now. He's saying to you, I can make you brand new. <laughs> now you might be thinking, you can't mean me. You don't know the things I've done, the things I've thought and felt. And that's true, I don't. But God does. And this is his word. And he means exactly what he says anyone can become a new creation. You just have to come to Christ. And God brought you here today to hear just what you're hearing. He is telling you he will make you a new creation. He's telling you all of your sins can be gone forever, completely forgiven. He is offering you life, real life, eternal life. If you just come to Christ, right there in your seat, you can ask Jesus to save you from your sins. Save you by what Jesus did on that cross when he died in your place. And if you do that, if you do that, then tell me or someone who really knows God because there's so much more to come and we can point you in the right direction. And, and if you don't quite understand, then come and see me or, again, someone else who you know knows Jesus, and a real follower of Christ, and, and we can help you to understand what the word of God says. You'll never regret it. Most of us in this room and millions of others will testify to that truth. So this is a wonderful passage to use in talking to someone who hasn't yet come into the kingdom. What's interesting, however, is that though the passage obviously does speak to the unbeliever, that's part of what it means, uh, but that's not all that it was meant to do. The passage was written also to those who already are believers. The second half of verse 17 is something that we who are believers need to know. It it applies to those who first come to Christ when they come to Christ, but it has this continuing application for those who are already in him. So let me set it up for you. Whenever we first come to the faith, and if you've already come to the faith, you'll remember this. It was such good news to us, wasn't it? I mean, I mean, we could, we, we could become this new creation and, and have our sins forgiven, and we could live forever. And when we put our trust in Jesus, what Christ did for us on that cross, we experienced this relief from our sin. We tasted the goodness of God, and we knew we'd become a new creation at that point, and we rejoiced in it. But it wasn't very long before we experienced something else. We discovered that even though we were forgiven and we were a new creature belonging to God, we discovered that we could still sin, and we did still sin. And we wondered what that meant to us. And the second half of verse 17 addresses that issue. It adds to our understanding of what God did in us when we first put our faith in him. It tells us about our life as we continue to make our way through this world. Let me read it to you. The old is gone. Behold, the new is come. Now I know you don't see the word behold there on the screen, but it's in the Greek, trust me. And it's there to call attention to the importance of what's being said because it is important. Let me read it again. The old is gone. Behold, the new is here. And that's true for the person who just put his or her faith in Christ just a moment ago. And it's true for us who believe or have believed for decades now. And it is true in spite of our failures and our sins. This is one of those places where knowing ancient Greek, the language the New Testament was written in, can be helpful. The form of the verbs tells us the old has passed away, that it's gone. That form, it it, it just means that it happened in the past. At one point in time in the past in your life, it happened. It doesn't have to happen over and over again. It's a one and done thing. The old is gone in this one-time act, which happened in the past, everything which was old, our old nature, our sinful nature, everything associated with it has been done away with. It no longer exists. And what was done away with is still done away with. You think about it this way. When we hear the statement, the house burnt down, we understand that that happened in the past. And that house, pardon me, with my hearing aids sometimes (laughs) that house is gone forever when god took away the old he took it all away at that point when you put your faith in christ and it is still gone and the reason that's important to know is this it's because you and i still sin even after we come to christ But the sin which we committed since we came to Christ and the sin that we'll commit today and the sin we'll commit tomorrow and in the days yet to come, all of that was included in that original act of God delivering us. This is God's work. It's like the work of no one else. All our sins, past, present, future, were nailed to the cross and only God can do this. But that is exactly what he did. And now, if our old nature being swept away is good news, what follows is even better. The new is here. It's all, and it's here to stay. The passage says the old is gone, the new is here. And again, here the Greek is helpful, and even more conclusive, pointed, and incisive. This time, the form of the Greek word uh, describes an action which is completed in the past, and the results of which continue on and on in that completed state. Like the statement, the house has been painted. Now, that might have happened five years ago or ten years ago, but whenever it was painted, it's still painted. And that's the idea behind the creek. Of course, that example shows, falls short, doesn't it? I mean, we're going to have to paint that house again at some point. But what God has done for us is complete. And it continues... Forever. The new is here. The new came in the past when we put our faith in Christ, and the new is still here, and it's here to stay. When we came to Christ, when we put our faith in him, that old nature's done away with. We were given a new nature, that of a born-again child of God. We became his child then, we are still his child now, and we will always be his child. That's who we are in Christ. Again, this is God's work, and what God does, no one else can do. His work is like no other. It's new, is here, it's here to stay. So although we sin, it doesn't change our status we are new creatures in Christ. Every day. Every moment. It's good to be reminded of that, isn't it? Especially maybe at the start of a new year. And you know what we've been talked about so far is the foundation for the rest of the passage which we're going to look at just briefly. So after that amazing truth that we've just been talking about, that we're new creatures in Christ, and the old has been done away with forever. The new's here to, and it's here to stay. Um, Paul goes on to say that this is God's work, and we've mentioned that already, but verse 18 says this, all this is from God. Paul's being really clear here. Only God can do this. Only God, as we continue to read, can reconcile us to himself through Christ. God's work. And his work is like no other. Only he can do this. We don't do it. We come to God and he does his work in us and for us. And I want to take just a moment to talk about what reconciled means here. You know, most of the time, if we think about that word, we tend to think about, you know, a couple of people that are feuding or bickering, right? And when they get reconciled, they they shake hands and they're friends now. But as it implies, here, you know, that's only a faint image of what's going on. Here we're talking about parties who are at war. They're enemies. Now, now you may not know this if you don't know Christ. You, you may not feel that it's true. But it is the clear teaching of the scripture that before we came to Christ, we were God's enemies. By saying that, I don't mean that God was ever against us, but we were by our actions against God. We were working for the other side in God's long war against evil. We were unknowingly, maybe, but truthfully, his enemies. And when we're talking about reconciliation this passage, we're talking about enemies coming together. And just as feuding might be too small to catch the, the idea of that passage, so being made friends is too small. When we're reconciled to God, we're not just made as friends. We become his children. We become a part of his family. We belong to his family both now and forever. He becomes our heavenly father. And that is exceedingly good news. And again, to drive home the point, it's through Christ and Christ alone that we can be reconciled. There is no other way. There is only one way to come to God. And so all of those things that you've heard, all that talk out there about all roads leading to the same place, like so many spokes on a wheel, it's simply rot. It's not true. What is true is that every road leads to a fork where we must make a choice to go one way or the other, and every way leads to other forks, which in the end leads us far away from not only one another, but God himself. Rather than getting closer to God and one another, we get farther and farther away. And left to ourselves, that would be our fate, and we would be lost forever. But God has made a way. And if you're traveling on one of those other roads, God's way will cross your path, but you have to turn off your road you've been traveling on and follow it. It leads away from all those other roads to the one true living God. And maybe that does seem a bit narrow to you, there only being one way. But if you were trapped in a burning building and someone came to you and said, I know the way out. You wouldn't say, well, wait just a minute here. Are there other ways out? Uh, I'm not going to go that way if there aren't other ways out of here. Of course not. You would go and you'd be glad that there was a way to get out. And that's what God offers everyone. God offers us a way out of the brokenness of our sin. And if we take it, the old is swept away and gone forever. And the new comes, a new that is always new. Because we are God's work, a new creation. Which brings us to the remainder of the passage, telling us more about God's work. At the end of verse 18, we learn God gave us, who are new creatures... The ministry of reconciliation. As a result of belonging to God forever. We're given a ministry. To bring other people to the cross. So that they too may be reconciled. Verse 19 simply defines our ministry for us. We read that God was. Oh I love this. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's the ministry of every one of us who believe in Christ. And if you think about it for a moment, you can understand why, can't you? You and I came to Christ. We became a new creation, where all the old self is done away with forever, and all the new is here and here to stay. We understand this is all God's work, And that it's like nothing else anyone else can do. We know it. We've lived it. We've experienced it. And God says to us, okay, now you. You go out and tell others this new life. Tell others what I've done for you. This is what we've experienced. This is what we know. This is a message that we are to take. God is saving people just like he saved me, just like he saved you, one person at a time by bringing them to Christ where he does not count people's sins against them. And once we know this truth from the inside, our part is to live it out on the outside and tell others what we know. And it's not too big for us. It's not too hard to do it's simply our story it's what God has done in us and for us and this is our ministry yours and mine I think that's a an awfully happy thought to go into the new year with and who knows if you're faithful, maybe at this time next year you'll look around and you're going to see someone who is here because you told them what Christ has already done for you. God is reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. Not him. God is right now. All over this globe, God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he gives us the opportunity to be a part of it. That's our message. So let me say this. Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy New Year, dear friends. Take Christ with you wherever you go. Would you pray with me now, please? Uh, Father, um, <laughs> thank you. Oh. Oh, we drop the ball all the time. We miss the mark over and over again. Sometimes we become so discouraged and to, to be reminded that all of that's done away with, to be reminded that the new is here and here to stay, that your mercy's on you every morning, Lord. It's such good news to us. It's such medicine to our heart and our soul. And Lord, please help us who know that. Help us to be faithful, to share that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And As we ask God for the